integrity of your ways, your hope. Remember who that was innocent ever perished, or where were the upright cut off, as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble. Read the same. So let's let's pause here for just a minute. What, while you're standing, you just think about this. What does Eliphaz say to Job? Job, you've done wrong. And that's why this is happening. You deserve what's happening. And now you're complaining, but you're really getting what you deserve. In other words, I don't want to hear it, Job. Because you're getting what you deserve. That's pretty rough, isn't it? Now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. We're going to pray together. And throughout the rest of this time together this morning, I know the Lord's going to convict us of a few things. And I want you to be prepared in your heart for the Holy Spirit to just move across your heart and to say to you how important it is for you to guard the words of your mouth. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray, Lord. Speak clearly to us. Silence the words of our hearts right now so that we can receive the word of Lord, renew a right spirit within us. Help us to guard very closely everything that we say. Lord, help us to be the ones who build up with our words rather than tear down. We pray this in Jesus' name. Think about these these friends. I, I think, what if my mom could get a hold of these three guys? What would she say to them? And that's the outline that I'm going to give you this morning. I want to say words of my mother that she said to me as I was growing up about my mouth. And you probably heard them too. And you probably used these words to some of the people in your some of the children in your life. You probably said some of these words too. Number one. Watch your mouth. Do you ever hear your mom say that? And I go, Mom, I can't even see my mouth. <laughs> Watch your mouth. What does that mean? It means guard the words of your mouth. Why? Because they have such tremendous power. We go back to the, the text that we just read just a moment ago. It's Job 4 2. If anyone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? In other words, are you going to slow down, Job, and let me talk? That's what Elphaz is saying. It's my turn to talk, Job. You need to listen. Don't get impatient. With me, because I'm about to say something to you. Have you ever loaded up like that? It's my turn. Let me say something. I just have something I gotta say about that. And then he says, Yet yeah, who can keep you speaking? Joe, you've said so much stuff and you've complained so much, Joe. Now it's my turn to straighten you out. I've got a word for you. That's what Eliphaz begins with. But yet what follows after Eliphaz says that is a bunch of nonsense and things that are wrong, the things that do nothing but hurt and tear down. He begins to, to, to throw stones with his mouth. And he begins to say things that are hurtful and cut Job deeply. And I, and I can imagine Job has, has lost everything. He's lost all of his family. He's lost all of his worldly possessions, his servants. They've all died. He's lost his health. He's sitting in a heap of ashes, and he loathes his life. He simply wants to just die. So he can, so his suffering can end. And yet, the, the thing that hurts the worst, the thing that cuts the deepest, are the words of 
puts the tears down. The worst part of it all was these friends wanted to put God in a box and give uh, uh, provide a simple, neat theological answer to Job's suffering, with ne never recognizing the how his suffering had enveloped his intellect. Job says a lot of things that don't make sense when he suffered. You know, when people suffer, they say a lot of stuff, don't they? And sometimes they say stuff they don't mean. And I, I, I've heard it this way, put it this way. Hurting people do what? They hurt people. They say things that they don't mean whenever they're hurt. And so Job's friends, they don't recognize that. Uh, they don't recognize his emotions. They don't recognize that his spirit is hurting right now. And he feels distant from God spiritually. They just simply want to provide a quick fix, quick answer to the problem. Say, hey, we thought this through, and this is what you need to do. That's the wrong approach. There's no simple answer to the problem of pain. And so as we guard our words, we need to pray about what we're about to say and, and remember that what we say can build up or tear down someone's intellect, someone's emotions, and someone's spirit. James 3 says, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Your tongue is a fire. You can set things ablaze by the things you say. He says the tongue is set among, the, among, the, uh, set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and it is set on fire by hell. So, so listen, when you get ready to say a whole lot of things, you better slow down and be careful because you can set things on fire. Not, not physically, but emotionally. James goes on to say, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And then James says, these things are things. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, be not rash with your mouth, nor let, what does that sound? That sounds like my mom. I can hear it in the back of my head saying, watch your mouth. Hold your tongue. I'm going to wash your mouth out. So, <laughs> I've never heard say that too. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. Now somebody told, has told me before I've got to give the gift. And sometimes they I talk too much. Well, I wasn't always like that. I've become having to preach. But I know some people that they can talk a whole lot more than I can. Lots of words. If you have lots of words and you, you say lots of things, you better be careful about that. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 12. He says, I tell you on the day of judgment, now you get this, okay? I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account 
once they go out, they're out. They don't go back in. So that's why we must guard the words of our mouth. That's why we must watch our mouth. You hear the words Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, yet those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So grasp the power of your words and guard your words and, and give the blessing of the words that are spoken in the right way. Here's the second thing. She would say, watch your mouth. And secondly, she said, if you can't say something nice, don't say Say something critical or you tear someone down, 
done something wrong. God is just, and He always punishes the wicked, and He always exalts the righteous. So if you say that you're righteous, then why are you suffering? You see His reason there? There's a lot of people who go down that way. And they look at someone who's suffering and they say, well, yeah, what was going to Is that like I mean, what if you use that logic right at the funeral? Someone has just lost their spouse. And you walk right up to them and you say, Well, you shouldn't have treated them that way. Now they're gone and they're gone. It's pretty rough, isn't it? That's what Noah does did to Job. He cut Job down. And then you have Bill. Done wrong. 
So we got to be careful when we quote from these commentators. In fact, in the end, the Lord's going to say that everything that they said is wrong. Everything that they said about God is wrong. So then Joe's reply here How does he respond to these men that, even though they can't say anything nice, they have nothing nice to come up with, they, they go ahead and say it anyway? Job's, Job's reply is a little sarcastic in chapter 12. He says, no doubt, you are the people. And wisdom will die with you. Wow, you know everything. So you see how Job is responding. He's not, he's not responding kindly to them. They've hurt him. And now he responds with wounding words as well. You notice that that's how the cycle goes on. If you can't say something nice, but you decide to say something anyway, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come back to Harsh word turns away wrath. I mean, excuse me, a gentle word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And that's what they did to him. They just stirred him up. And he also says in chapter 12, he says, I have earthly wisdom as well. I've looked at this stuff, and I can understand what you're saying, but you're wrong. And then uh, chapter 27, verse 5, Job says, Far be it from me to say that you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. Job just continues on holding his integrity. So let me summarize this for just a few minutes. I've got ten things real quick. I'm going to say it real fast. So you've got to listen real quickly, okay? Ten things not to say when someone suffers. Here's what you should do. Don't say that. You put yourself in this place. In other words, this is your fault. Look, I need to listen to me. Admit you are wrong. Just admit you're wrong. If you will do no wrong, no evil will come upon you. Is that true? No. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. Right? He says it's going to happen to all of us. Because we live in a fallen world. So that, that, that theological concept of you reap what you sow directly, reap what you sow, if it's applied to, I sin, now I suffer, that's wrong. You're not being honest with yourself, just, just be honest. They, they told you, you're holding your, your confession under your tongue, and you won't let it happen. If you just confess. If you just listen to me, just trust me, you understand why. That's all of the friends, they begin by saying, hey, I've got so much to say to you, you need to just listen to me. And I'll straighten you out. I understand how you feel. People are going to have God is not happy with you. We might not put it as directly as that, but just, we might say it in the reverse and say, hey, if, if you would just do this or that, God would be happy God has done this to make you repent. God is disciplining you just be happy. That's what they say at the beginning. Now, that's just a summary of the things that they say that you shouldn't say. But here's some things that you should say. I can tell you something. I don't know how you feel, but I do feel. I am here for you. Man, listen, Job's three friends, they got it right whenever they sat at the end. And they just were a presence there in his life, someone that, that he could lean on. But they got it wrong whenever they began to open their mouths and say things are wrong. I love to hear how you were feeling. See, they should have listened more to him 
life. God will bless you, health, wealth, and prosperity just by doing good. But you've done wrong because you're not being blessed. Feel that. You, you, you got what was coming to you. Your children got what was coming to you. So far, you deserve the first thing that you've got. And not once has ever been to you with thought to say, God bless you. Hey, have you ever used that before? Those words? Remember someone who knows something? Have you ever felt the power of those words as they came from your lips when you told someone? God is good even though you are going through this. And I'm praying for you. Hey, what's even better than just saying, hey, I'm praying for you, is to do what? Stop and pray for you. I mean, they, they, that, that's important. What we find out is that Job's friends were just really more concerned about saying whatever they had in their mind that they wanted to say rather than listening to Job. They were concerned about letting everybody know that they were smart and they had it all together. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 8, what knowledge but love builds up. I had a, a preacher uh, teach me this one time. He said, and I've heard it many times since then, he, he used to say, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I wonder what if Job's friends had just decided since they couldn't say anything nice, they wouldn't say anything at all. But what if they had decided Here's the last thing I wanted to say. Always tell the truth. Watch your mouth. You can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all, but always tell the truth. And is there a moment where you should not tell the truth?
Job's response to that? Job 21, he says, How then will you comfort me with empty nothings? All the worldly wisdom, all of the working it out, rationalizing, trying to figure out why someone is going through suffering, trying to help them in their pain, psychology, tell you what that's going to end up being. Empty nothings. But on the other hand, we know that what the Lord says is full of life. So we'll take up this last guy. This last guy, his name is Elohim. He's a fourth guy. He shows up toward the end of the book, and it's like, where did you come from? I mean, he wasn't there at the beginning. He didn't sit down with Job, his friends. He shows up at some point in the argument, and he listens. He listens for a long time. In fact, he says, I've just been sitting here listening this whole time, and I haven't said anything, but I'm tired of just sitting here listening. I've got to say something about this. All of you are wrong. <laughs> Even Job, you're wrong too. Everybody's wrong. Now listen to what I have to say, he says. And here's a few of his points. Job is wrong to demand an answer from God. He doesn't deserve it. So he rebukes Job. And then he goes on to say, God will answer in his own time, in his own way. You can't make God answer you. But then he goes on to say this. He says to the, the friends, and he says to them, you're all wrong. And he says, it's not that God makes someone suffer directly because they've done something wrong. He says, God allows suffering to cause people to cry out to him. Now that's the truth that he offers. God is perfectly just to allow suffering on this earth. And then at the very end, God uh, rebukes the three friends for not sharing his word, but he never rebukes Elihu. He never tells Elihu you are wrong with what you said. Job 42, 7, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said, Eliphaz and Timonite, my anger burns against you and against you two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job had. There's something embedded in Elihu's words there that I think is so important. He concludes that, that God warns us in our suffering. It's a warning. And that he gives it to us so that we will cry out to him. And, and the conclusion that we have to make out of all of this is that suffering teaches us to look down and around all our circumstances and consider those the good things and blessings of God. Because I have health, wealth, and prosperity. God is blessing me because He's the thing. There's a lot of people that are out of the will of God that have health, wealth, and prosperity. 
like I need to, I need to talk to you about this. I don't understand why this is happening. Why have you taken away all the good things in my life? I don't understand any of this. But in the middle of all of that, Job says, I know that at last my Redeemer lives. I know that. The person who's going to purchase me out of this world of trouble. He's going to lift me up now. He's alive. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know any of those things, but I know he will. Job's going to say at the end, he's going to say, I repent. He's going to see a glimpse of God, and he's going to say, I repent. So I hope that he can say that. He can say, I'm a sinner. And I deserve it. Not only am I suffering in this life, but I deserve to be separated from God.